Hey everyone, and welcome back to, I can't believe that happened. I know it's been a minute, um, but, and you're gonna have to forgive my French. It's horrible. Um, we're gonna be talking about a really interesting French inventor. Um, so I'm not gonna do my usual preamble because there's so much to cover and I really wanna talk about this. This guy is really funny and interesting. So I wanted to get to him. Um, please forgive my French pronunciation. So we're gonna be talking about Jacques de Vaux-Conson hoping that's right. Um, we're going to refer to him as Jacques for the rest of this episode. Uh, he was born in uh, Grenoble, France in 1709, and he's the 10th child. Um, and I'm going to go into a little bit of his backstory because I think it's important as we're talking about education and how we educate people on how important one teacher was in creating this man, um, this man's ability to become an inventor. So I, I'm just going to go a little bit into his backstory and I don't usually do a lot of that, but I think it's, it's definitely important. So he came from a really poor family. Um, and his father was a glove maker who he passed away when, when Jacques was very young, his mother was very religious. Um, she was Roman Catholic and they would go to church quite a bit, um, from all the readings that I was doing. And, what was really fascinating was while his mother went off to do confession, Jacques would watch the clock. There was a mechanical clock in um, in the church, and he would watch all the mechanisms very, very closely. And he watched them until he memorized them so perfectly that when he got home, he was able to actually build a working replica. Um, that's just really interesting, especially when you consider how young he was. Because remember, his father died when he was seven years old. Now. At that time, uh, his mother was not able to take care of, of him and his brothers and sisters, so he was sent to the Jesuit order. I actually know a little bit about the Jesuits because I went to a Jesuit high school. Um, one of the big things about Jesuit schools are they're very, very into education. Um, it's it's one of the, the main tenants, and it was a very hard high school, by the way. Um, so he was sent there. Now, Oh, that didn't go well um, in some ways, especially at the beginning. He was not considered popular. He didn't make a lot of friends and he had a really hard time with his lessons. He was not able to concentrate in class and he was doing very poorly. Now he had come with him with a sealed box and one of the brothers, um, it was run by monks, uh, Jesuit monks, and one of the brothers opened up the box and found a hull of a ship and gears and... Um, Jacques said that he wanted to build a boat that would go across the school pond. And he said he was not going to do any more schoolwork until someone taught him and helped him do this. And now you're always able to do things, but you're going to have to take the consequences for them. Um, and Jacques took the consequences. He was put in his room for two days um, alone in basically solitary confinement for two days. And then the mathematics professor or the brother uh, who was in charge of mathematics looked at some of the drawings and he felt like this was actually something doable. So he did work with Jacques and they did create a boat that went across the water. Um, that's really amazing and interesting. So you're going to learn really um, quickly why Jacques is important and interesting and very different from from the rest of the people who were creating automata, especially at the time. Um, he sort of fell off from mechanics for a while and actually thought about joining the order, mostly because he was poor. And he saw that joining the order was a way for him to continue his education and his research um, if he didn't have money. He did end up meeting a surgeon and 
this gets very interesting because you're going to find out a lot about why that's important, but it's really important to see where all these, um, these different aspects of Jacques started from his interest in mechanics, his um, stubbornness, <laughs> um, his curiosity, and then his interest in how human anatomy works. Um, at this time, in the 1700s, automata were not rare. Um, there was actually quite a craze for them in the royal courts. They were more of games and toys for, for very wealthy. Um, they did very specific things. Um, they worked on a gear system, not necessarily on a cam system. We're going to find out about the resurgence of the cam system. So if you remember my Al Jazari episode, we're going to see the cams again. Um, not right now. And this is a very important distinction um, between all the automata. Um, Jacques de, de Vaucosson, yeah, I'm doing worse as this is going on. We're going with Jacques. Um, he was interested not just in creating a robot or something that would just do an, a task over and over again. He wanted to recreate life. He wanted his robot not to play a song that was pre-done pre or parrot something. He wanted a robot that actually did the thing using the same mechanisms as the body. So when he was 18 years old, he was actually given a workshop. And this was in Lyon in 1727. And for one of his first creations, a group of politicians were going to come and have dinner at his workshop. So he created automata that would serve the meal and clean them up. Now, at first, this was very well received. But then a lot of fear came in. And you're going to see this a few times um, where someone creates a robot and people get very concerned and don't understand or are having a hard time defining the difference between life and robotics. And um, they get very concerned and worried. Um, you're actually seeing this right now. There's a lot of debate and discussion about how far we can push artificial intelligence and and robotics. So I always find it interesting to look at our history and see where these these arguments have started and how they've they've come about. So um his his workshop was was forced to be destroyed. The the person uh, called for the destruction of it because he was so concerned about the robotics. Now, um that did not stop him. And he was actually pretty well known in this time period. You may have heard of a man called Voltaire. He was considered one of the great thinkers of France at the time. And he called him a modern day Prometheus. So just a quick little background on what that means. If you are not familiar with Greek mythology, Prometheus was the one who gave humans fire um, and was very well punished for it. And we're not going to go into why or how. If you're interested, go look that up. Um, if you are a child, don't go look that up. Talk to your parents about it. Maybe they can phrase this a little bit better. But uh, Prometheus was considered the person who, or the god of the um, uh, the Greek myth that gave humanity fire and, in a lot of ways, curiosity and, and technology and the ability to move forward. So we're going to get to the move forward. Um, remember how I said he wanted to create something that actually did the, the thing it was supposed to do, but in the way a human would do it. Um, this is where his interest in... Um, biology comes back. He creates the flute player. Now, he had talked to a musician about this project, and he wanted to know what was the most difficult instrument to approximate. How which which instrument would be very hard to 
to do as a mechanic. And the person said flute because it requires a tremendous amount of, of programming for mouth, teeth, tongue placement, finger placement, and breath control. So of course, what are you gonna do? You're gonna find what the most difficult thing is and do you run away from it or is that your first project? And he said, that's my first project. So I don't know if that's, um, I don't even know what to say about that, but I, I will say it was brave. That's what I will say about that. It was very brave. He decided to take on the most difficult thing possible and he created a metal structure. He created an esophagus out of tubing. He created bellows, which acted as the lungs and this automata breathed. <laughs> It played 12 songs. It had tongue placement, teeth placement, breath control, and it actually played the songs. And it became very famous for a very long time. Now he made all of his money based on ticket sales of people coming in and seeing these creations. And as that creation flagged, and uh, by flagged, I mean like people stopped coming as often and he still needed his money. He created two more musical automatons um, that were based basically on the same principle. Um, he did make a pipe and drum player and the pipe player was actually said to be able to play the pipe faster than a human, which is kind of cool. Um, and then the other one was a tambourine player. Now, uh, for all of you who want a little whimsy into your life, um, the way I found Jacques was through what was called the digesting duck. The duck digested. Now that is a nice way to say the duck ate, digested its food, and pooped. And this became the rage in France. Like you can look at um, the writings from the most famous people at this time, uh, not just in France, but in the world, people really were talking about a automatic duck that pooped. Um, by the way, if you go to my show notes, I do have pictures of everything and there have been reproductions of the digestive duck that have been made. Um, it's pretty entertaining to watch. But basically, if you paid your money, um, you would get to hold out pellets for the duck. And it was the size of a living duck and it could drink, it could muddle through the water, it could quack. It could stand up and rise back down on its legs, but what they really wanted to see, and let's be honest, that's what everyone would want to see, is you would hold out these pellets. The duck would eat the pellets. It would have a stomach. It would go through an esophagus tubing and into a stomach where it would be <laughs> digested, and then the duck would poop. And uh, that just did it for everyone. <laughs> this became very famous. So we're at 10 minutes. Um, I'm just going to really quickly wrap up. Um, he did get kind of sick of making automatons. Um, he kind of felt like, I guess the pooping duck was his pinnacle. And let's be honest, that's a pretty good pinnacle. <laughs> so he was hired by the king of France to um, work on the silk industry. And he created looms. And the technology that he created, these looms, are still largely in effect today. This was a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, I think my point about this entire episode is um, there's a parable that if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man how to fish, he eats for a lifetime. The important part that's left out of this is it's really great if you give the person a fishing rod. Um, and that's what Jacques was given. He was a poor child in a poor family and he had an incredibly brilliant and creative mind. And through a series of people who were kind or sometimes not so kind, um, he was given a rod. He wasn't just told how to do things. Um, he was also given the education and, um, and the research and the skills and a, he was given some introductions to people who could help him. And he was given his first 
uh, workshop where he was able to create his first automaton. Now, while that didn't work out for him and it was destroyed, it did give him the ability to make his first creations and it gave him his introductions to people. So I think that's, that's probably my point of this is there are a lot of brilliant, clever and creative people who need more than just to learn. They need that step up. And I think Jacques is such an incredible example of that. Thank you. I did go a little over my apologies. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, thank you for being patient with me as I know I missed a few weeks. Um, if you listen to this or you listen to my other podcast, you know that I'm disabled and it's been kind of a rough time as it's been rough for all of you. So I hope you're enjoying this, um, during all of the, the COVID and I hope you're um, able to do some of your own research on some of the first robots. Um, thank you everyone. We do have a few more weeks. Um, I, I want to get us all the way to the first robots of advertising, which were at the turn of the 1800s and I might just stop there. Um, if you want to know more about future ones, just comment below and let me know what you want our next topic to be because I'll be starting the research soon. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. And again, we do not advertise on the show. So everyone who listens is based on you guys being really nice. And the nicest thing you can do is share the episode with your friends, your family, if you are homeschooling or forced into homeschooling, as I have now been with my teen, um, please share this with your, your homeschooling boards as well. I think it's a, a really fun, fun way to supplement STEM education. Have a great week, everyone. And hopefully I'll be able to bring a new episode to you soon.